The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Thanks, Carl. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the rally back and why one member of our investment committee is now changing his call on a retest of the January lows. You'll hear about that in just a moment. We'll debate it, of course, and you'll find out if the other committee members agree. Joining me for the hour today, Kerry Firestone, Steve Weiss, the aforementioned Joe Terranova, John Najarian, the co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Go to the wall. Check the markets. Pretty good day uh, in store thus far. Dow Jones Industrial Average, good for 261. That's three quarters of 1%. The S&P 500, up better than 1%. NASDAQ outperforming. The Russell outperforming that. 10-year note yield 193. But again, Joe Ternova, I come to you first. We're going for three weeks of gains. We haven't done that in some three months. Mm-hmm. You've been fairly negative on the market, thinking we would retest those January lows. And now you've called an audible. Why? Absolutely, because I was standing at the line getting ready to snap the ball, and I was focused on the front seven, the D linemen, the linebackers, and the opportunity was in the secondary. The concern I had on Monday was that the weakness that was exhibited in Facebook was going to pull down the rest of mega cap equities. We had basically had a complete erosion in the rally for Amazon. I was focused on the wrong thing. What I should have been focused on and what was so compelling was the story that was being told yesterday and kind of studying the macro, you could see it build. You had yields rising to its highest level since 2019. You had a fundamental story about pricing power from Tyson Foods. Yes, they were able to pass it through. You had a Bank of America report on consumer spending. Yes, incredibly resilient, second highest. Amazon Prime raising their prices. So what I saw yesterday that really got me to reverse and audible at the line was breath. You had breath within the market. And the focus should not be at this moment what the impact of the mega cap equities ultimately going to be, Scott. It's about can capital go to other places? Is the welcome mat finally out in small caps, in mid caps, which are outperforming? Is the welcome mat out for equally weighted strategies, which are now outperforming cap weighted strategies? The welcome mat is open. It's there in international developed economies, emerging markets. So I thought my enemy was going to be price. And I thought my enemy was going to be price just because the magnitude of mega cap equities, the real enemy is just time. It's really just a matter of marking time and getting to the moment where the Federal Reserve is is ultimately going to let us know 25, 50 basis points. And what does that all really matter at the end of the day? I think in terms of the price damage, it absolutely unfolded in January. Even if we were, even if we were to retest the lows once again, which I assign a very low probability, you're not going to get hurt there. There's going to be a recovery. It's just a matter if it's a V or a U. And I, and I apologize to the viewers for Monday coming out and saying I was worried about mega cap equities. I saw it standing at the line yesterday. I was focused on the wrong thing. 
The opportunity was in the secondary. The breath is absolutely there. I saw it reflected in agriculture names like uh, that I own, like John Deere and Archer Daniels Midlands. Look at Freeport McMahon. Look at the materials. Look at financials. Breath is present. That's a great thing for the market. And it signals that Tom Lee might just be right about a rally. And I don't think you need to uh, apologize to anybody. I mean, when you see different things that cause you to change your mind, by all means, you have the right to change your opinion, um, especially on something as big as the That's, kind of call you were, were looking for. Um, just to remind people what the lows were, we did it yesterday, and I want to do it again, and I continue to make this point that the further you move away from that Monday in January, the more people probably forget how ugly the markets looked at that very moment, considering where we are right now compared to where we were back then. Look at the S&P right now. The low in the S&P was 42.22. I mean, you know, like 300 points away. The Dow, 33,150. You see where we are today, and you get, this, you get the picture. Carrie Firestone, do you agree with Joe Terranova? Well, I agree with Joe that there are opportunities in the market. And if he's saying that he went from being bearish to being somewhat bullish or finding names that he could buy, 100 percent. I mean, last week I talked about well, how there were think, no clear signs of I don't think that's necessarily the call. I'm, I, I'm not sure that's exactly okay. the call, well, right? Well, I he, mean, the fact of the matter okay. is, let me, let me so, just ask so, you directly, okay, so we can just cut to the chase. Yeah. Are we going to retest sure. the lows or not? I think it's possible that the index, the S&P might retest a low, but that most of the stocks that have been down 50%, 60%, even 30% are, are in the low now. I mean, they, they've established their low. You know, indices are composed of so many companies, but what we're really talking about, I think, is whether you can buy stocks because you feel that the upcoming year offers visibility toward higher prices. And to that extent, those lows, I believe, have been achieved. That, I, I think, is what Joe's talking about. Our, our feeling is that we've had these rolling corrections. If there are 203 names, and, and I update this all the time, names of 4 billion or more market-valued companies that are down over 50, um, over 35% from their 12-month high, and 120, roughly, that are down more than 50% from their 12-month high. Among that list, there are many well-established companies. They're not just small, you know, electric vehicle plays. They're names like PayPal, and they are names that are well-established. Cleveland Cliffs was on that a list last week, and all types of stocks from which you can find bargains and say, wow, the market has punished these because there was a disappointing guidance at a time where managements have trouble even making guidance. They don't know what the environment is going to look like. And so they go to the worst case scenario. And that gives investors an opportunity to say, here's a spot and I'm going to put in a stake here and buy what I think has a, a good looking year ahead where there's no recession, liquidity and demand okay. that's going to pull through for them. Okay. Uh, okay, let me now move to the man who has been bearish. He said it every day. I'm bearish the market. I'm bearish. He dumped on Tom Lee <laughs> yesterday, claimed that Tom Lee has been wrong, even though that he was wrong in saying that because Tom Lee has been right. Tom Lee nailed his price target in 2021 on the S&P 500. 
Tom Lee's told you to buy every dip in the market that we've seen. People have, and they've been right because the market has continued to recover from any pullback that it's seen. And it appears to be Steve Weiss on its way to doing just that yet again. Is Joe Terranova right? Right. Did we leave the bottom in the past? And now can we begin to be constructive again in stocks and maybe not as selective as some have been suggesting as he brings forth the fact that he bought the Russell 2000? He bought small caps. He bought the IWM, the place where you've seen the most obliteration within the market. Okay, so uh, let me unwrap some of the things you said because you, you hit me with a lot. Yeah. And Tom Lee I did. has I did. been right because he's told you to buy every he's told you to buy every pop. He told you to buy every dip. He's been a permable, uh, with the exception, I think, one instance. So. You're going to be right if you say buy the market because it goes up 90% of the time. So that's what Tom Lee's doing. Tom Lee does high-quality work. I like Tom Lee, but that's not what I do. I don't buy markets. I buy stocks. And I look at stocks under okay. the market, mm -hmm. and they've been in a bear market. And by the way, they still are. So I'm not going to be dissuaded from my discipline by seeing green. I'm actually outperforming nicely today. Maybe it's because I performed so poorly in some of my names that they're catching on. And I agree with Joe in one respect because I disagreed with him on Monday. And I said that, no, you're not going to see a takedown of the other mega cap stocks because Facebook's down. And as a matter of fact, you can quibble with my call on Facebook where I was wrong uh, and I suffered with it. But I was 80% right because the others did well reported great earnings. So I'll take an 80% hit average any single day of the week. So where do I stand now? I'm a stock picker. That's what I'm doing. I still have a healthy amount of cash. I have not been knocked off my pedestal in terms of my view, not in terms of my pedestal. And you're bowing down to me, Scott. We can get to that later. But in terms of my view, <laughs> and my view is that we're in a trading range in the market and that you've got to be a stock picker. And I prefer to be opportunistic as I have been. And that's paying off and buying stocks where I'm convinced of the fundamentals. And that's where I'm going to generate performance. And this is a stock picker's market. And everybody admits that. So why would I list the strategists that say just buy the market? I'd love to do it. I can have a lot easier life and focus on the other things I have to do, like investing in private companies. So I'm still well, I mean, where I, I think was. Some of the strategists I will buy on dips. I Okay. I mean, I think some of the yep. strategists, Tom Lee included, have put forward their preferred areas where they thought you could generate the most alpha within the market rather than just suggesting blindly throw a dart and buy the market wherever it lands. I, I think it was a lot more nuanced than that. I think you would agree with me, too. Sure. Um, your soundbite might not sound as great, but nonetheless, I think, <laughs> I think that's where the facts may lie. I think you, you would agree with that. Dr. J, right. that brings me to yeah, you, Yeah, I, I agree. Scott, can I just answer that? I agree with that. And I must yes, have can. missed when crypto hit 100,000, when Bitcoin hit 100,000 last year. That was one of the nuances. Weiss. So, yeah, I, mean, I missed it. Weiss, uh, are we going to, you, you really want to go to a place where we nitpick every single call that somebody makes? I mean, none of you that I'm looking at in the four boxes, one, no, two, but, three, but, four. None of you have gotten every single call right that you've made. The whole point is hopefully getting the majority of the calls c correct, right? I mean, are we gonna, mm -hmm. we're, we're calling yeah. Tom Lee out for a Bitcoin call? Absolutely. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. No, no, all, all I'm on. trying to do is that 
is that is that the the guy's not a god, Scott. You may not agree with me, but he's not a god. Everybody makes mistakes. I told Whoever you I said like he was. Tom Lee's work. Okay. Well, with the way Whoever you talk about it is with great adulation, and I don't blame you. But there are realities to the market, and I'm telling you that if you bought stocks, if you bought stocks, okay, and you were in technology, and technology is not a group Tom didn't like. Let's not make this about Tom Lee. The facts are the facts. And well, Kerry said it when she gave numbers I, about the average stock over four billion. No, you brought up Tom Lee today. Right. I didn't. Let's uh, okay. Play I will. You brought him up. I, I, I will. I, I Let's will move on to remember John. not anxious. to. I, I won't throw any compliments to you because it would profess adulation that I clearly don't have. Let me just throw that out. Uh, John and Jerry. It's a, I don't want anything to be misconstrued. I don't want anything to be misconstrued. Scott. There are plenty of them. <laughs> John and Jerry. What's your call? Who do, you, what, do you agree with Joe or not? This is not about Tom Lee, okay? This is about Joe Terranova's call today. Do we hit the lows or not? Well, well, David Rubenstein and Tom Lee and no, I'm just kidding, Scott. Um, I, I think uh, Joe could be very prescient in that call. We could have already um, seen the lows for this move. Um, as I said Monday, though, uh, we do still have uh, obviously some pretty significant political pressure, uh, Ukraine border and uh, crude oil prices that have now recovered after being down this morning and are back through 90 again. Those are two things that I think people that follow the markets like all four of us do, five of us, um, I, I think those are things that you'd say, if one of those things jumps the wrong way too quickly, um, we could go back down there and retest. I was not calling for us to have to do that. Um, I think that today, Scott, we got right back up the QQQ, which of course is that NASDAQ 100, it got right back up against that uh, technical resistance to the upside, the 200-day moving average. And we didn't exactly rebound off of it really hard, but we did come off about a dollar. That's levels approximately 365. We touched right up against it, came back down. Now we're at 363.93. Um, do I think we need to test down to those lows, you know, basically down around 300? No, I don't. Um, I think things are better. I think the fact that we're going to be um, demasking um, basically by March 1st or just after the president's State of the Union, depending which states we're talking about, we're talking about doing away with the indoor mask mandates and so forth in so many places that still had them, that I think that'll encourage people to get back out there. So I see a lot of optimism uh, building, Scott, and uh, obviously some of the mm. trades that I did today will reflect that. We'll talk about them later in the show. Okay. Let me come back to Steve Weiss speaking of um, trades. The only man I know who goes to sleep on the wrong side of the bed, he doesn't just wake up there. Steve, I'm coming back to you. Ooh, I'm smiling. Try to have a little bit of levity in the show today. <laughs> try to have a little bit of levity in the show today and leave it to you to bring it crashing down on my head. Let's talk about some of these moves because I do think they are significant. Citigroup is a new small position that you've started. Tell me why. Well, I, I've, I'm so full in B of A. Moynihan's, you know, my guy there has just done a phenomenal job. And I'm full in, in Goldman. And I still believe that you're going to see a steepening yield curve and rising rates. And Citi has lagged so badly, generally because the jury's out and Jane Frazier, they just 
don't know yet. But she's doing some of the right moves. And the stock is just so much cheaper than the others. Uh, I want to start to build a position. And I think I'll do well. So I've got the utmost confidence in her now. I would say that, uh, that it's been a challenging environment for Citi because of their massive global business. And she seems to be getting in control. So worst case, the, rising, the steepening yield curve will bring the stock up. Best case, that some of the moves she's making turn out to be phenomenal. And the stock goes a lot higher. Okay, that's number one. Number two, you bought NXP. That's a new position as well? Yeah, so, so I bought, yes, it is. So I bought that early in the week. And as you recall, last week, uh, you know, I said On Semi is going to have a great quarter. They're sold out for the year. They did have a great quarter. The stock was a, up 8% on a down day in the market. And they are sold out as a great call for 2022. Great call. Thank you very much, Scott. Great so call. nice of you to notice. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it would have been nice Legendary. if you said it on Monday instead of picking on me then. But, but NXPI uh, is actually a Labenthal name. And after I got over that, uh, I said, you know what? They also reported a great quarter, but the stock didn't react. So, so I bought it. And it continues to play in that theme of, uh, of mobility, particularly in the autos. And I think it's going to do quite well. Okay, so you bought more on Semi, bought NXP, bought City. You added significantly to a stock we've heard a lot about over the last couple of years, XPO. Yeah, so it was already a major core position. The most unsung CEO, I think, one of the most unsung, is Brad Jacobs. Brad Jacobs has, he's on the Forbes 400 list, justifiably, multi-billionaire. His first company, that was an energy trading company, built it and sold it. Second energy trading company, built it and sold it. Then he started basically, you know, rolling up the waste management companies, built it, sold it to waste, what is waste management. United Rental, that we've had people come on the show. I owned it. Stephanie Link owned it. Built that. Moved on. So where did he go? He went to XPO and he spun out GXO. The guy is a major, major moneymaker. And XPO, after a bad quarter last year, last quarter, he said, here's what we have to do. Here's our action plan. And guess what? They executed on it. And so they really blew out numbers in this quarter. The stock's at eight times EBITDA. That's ridiculous with the market basically twice that. And they own the digital place in terms of truck brokerage and LTL. So they are just killing it on every front. And I don't think Brad's going to be happy. And Brad himself is an understated person for somebody who's done so much. Um, I don't think he's going to be happy leaving the stock where it is. So that's why I bought more. So it's a pretty large position. It was okay. a core position. I added to it with a trading position on top, as you know, I often do. You bought more Skyworks. Yep. Yep. So as I had said before the quarter, I pared down going into the quarter, actually pared down over the last six months, that in Corvo. Corvo, I mentioned, I think, last week that I had added to it. And Skyworks, you know, I, look, 50% of their businesses with Apple used to be 70%. Their other businesses growing nicely. They've got their own fabs. Um, I still like the company quite a bit, committed to it. And with something with their growth, despite the quarter, which was good, by the way, is selling at 10 times earnings on that kind of growth, sort of got to gobble it up when it gets dislocated, as it has been. It's been a terrible performance okay, over the last six, eight months. I mean, it's cost me money. 
Real quick, uh, before I move to some things that Kerry's done, you covered the TLT short as well. Can you be real quick on that for me so I can move along? Sure. I covered yesterday. Yields, I thought, were going to hit resistance at 2% in the 10-year. So, so I just took the trade. I'm going to continue to trade that. If yields fall dramatically or not dramatically, somewhat more than they are now, I'll, I'll short it again. Okay. Uh, well, that's a lot. You've been a busy man. It's been really nice discussing that with you. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Carrie, I mentioned I want I'm to get smiling a lot today, to you. Scott. Did uh, you notice? You notice you my are. smile? You are. It's out of character. It's out of character. It's throwing me. It's jarring a little bit, but I'm trying to get with it. Carrie, you bought more <laughs> PayPal. Can you imagine if he was bullish? Uh, which has suffered. Yeah, I know, right? Which, is, <laughs> which has suffered a lot. Um, you bought more Remax. You bought more Booking. And you bought more Health Equity. But start with PayPal. Why is now the time for a stock that's really gotten, you know, smacked around? Yeah, exactly. Tell me about it. And I'll be much more succinct than Steve just was. Uh, PayPal sells for about 25 times earnings. A lot of managements have guided very weak. And that's because with Fed raising rates, they just don't see what's out there. I think they've been more pessimistic across the board. Managements have this quarter than they really deserve to be. But they try to throw in the kitchen sink. And we think there's still a long runway for PayPal. It's it, again, you know, the, the stock's down well over 50 percent. And, you know, I wish we had sold it a long time ago, but I don't see the slowing down of their growth. And, the, you know, it, it just makes sense with the growth rate and with the market opportunities. OK, um, <clears throat> booking. Why booking? OK, so booking, you know, uh, I'll tell you, interestingly, Booking is one of the stocks that looks really good technically right now. Um, they started to show great, um, bo- you know, bookings uh, for travel at the peak um, <laughs> and the sort of downside of Delta. And then it got sort of obliterated with Omicron. What we've heard from American Express, from Visa, from MasterCard, um, even from City yesterday, there is a lot of spending going on. Uh, for travel over the next six months. And booking will be a, a, a major beneficiary. They don't have a lot of costs on the labor side compared to many service companies. And we think that this one is just sort of positioned for um, for a 30-plus percent return over the next year or so. Okay, um, good stuff. I want to jump to Steve Leisman, if I can, for a moment. He has breaking news and some headlines from Mester of the Fed. Steve? Yeah, uh, Scott, Cleveland uh, Federal Reserve President Loretta Mester saying rate increases will be needed in the coming months. I'll come back and tell you what I think about that in just a second. And faster increases are possible if inflation doesn't moderate by mid-year. Obviously, slow ones also could be possible, slower ones if inflation does moderate more than expected. Said conditions warrant faster balance sheet reduction, and she supports outright sales of mortgage-backed securities. What's significant, I think, about what Loretta Mester is saying is she's saying rate increases, which means successive increases, the way I read it. And when she comes back and she says faster increases, I think she means the potential for 50 basis point rate hikes, which which just tells me kind of backs up my reporting. I don't see the Fed doing 50 out of the box. I think the Fed holds on to 50 
and then maybe uses that later in the year if it's needed. You can see there successive rate increases and successive meetings are built into the Fed probabilities right now. Uh, July, 57 percent. Uh, it could be that it happens a month later. There's a little more support for that, but it's over the 50 percent mark for July and November, Scott. So there it is. It's built in. Loretta Mester thought to be a little bit more on the hawkish side, affirming that, but really saying uh, affirming the market uh, view here of successive rate increases. And the market has not priced in 50 out of the box in March. And I don't expect that. As best I could could find, right, Mester's a voting member. Uh I do believe that's correct, yeah. uh, which is significant given the, the view that you're putting forth here. However, uh, Bostic is not. And I thought the comments Bostic gave to you today somewhat talked the market off the ledge, so to speak. I mean, he wasn't as hawkish in any way as some of the other commentary has been of late from the Fed. Three to four hikes. But, hey, we're going to wait and see. What'd you make of that? You know, I'm not sure the commentary is quite so hawkish as people start to get all frothed up about the the, the hawkishness of it. Um, What the Fed is going to do, I think, and I think it's been pretty consistent on this, is it's going to do a bunch of rate hikes and then take a look. Um, You can expect that it will probably do more than uh, uh, zero in the second half of the year, but you could probably expect two or three or four right out of the box and some balance sheet reduction, and then it's going to take a look. People have been trading like seven is a certainty. Seven is a forecast among those who think the Fed will not succeed at, infl- at bringing inflation down. And that's really ultimately, Scott, what the investors have to ask themselves is, do you think this process of bringing down inflation, uh, supply bottlenecks breaking up, uh, finally clearing, uh, people coming back to the workforce, uh, shifting back away from services, uh, sorry, away from goods into services will bring down inflation? If you think that's the case, the Fed doesn't have to do probably seven rate hikes. Yeah. Well, I mean, even five. I mean, seven seems a little bit of an outlier. Five is almost seeming to be the norm. You, you know, the probabilities you showed, everything's over 50, even at the back end of the projection. So, yeah, but, you know, this just sort of so caught me what? a little bit I mean, by I, surprise, I, three to four. Yeah. So what? You're right. I, I hate to say that. You know, if, if, if you go one, one and a quarter by year end, I mean, maybe that doesn't justify some of the 50X or 50 PE stocks that, you, that you, some of your people have been trading there. But but for the economy to withstand one, one and a quarter percent interest rates and, and you know, a trillion dollars or $500 billion less on the balance sheet, I don't see it to be that big of a hurdle for the economy. Well, you're the man. You're the uh, resident economist. So I'll take your point of view for what it is. Steve, thank you. That's Steve Leisman, our senior economics reporter, joining us once again with those headlines from Loretta Mester. We're back right after this. Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary makes a big call on Meta. He's going to join us to explain. We're back in two. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit ODFL.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. 
Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is our CNBC News update at this hour. Your Governor Kathy Hochul says that she will let a broad mask mandate expire. Starting tomorrow, many indoor businesses will no longer have to require customers wear a mask. Masks, however, will still be required in other places, including healthcare facilities and schools. Hochul says that lower infection and hospitalization rates have made it safe to lift some of these mask requirements. In Oklahoma, firefighters are still working to contain a massive fire at a luxury apartment building. It's been burning since last night. Crews say that rubber roofing material is really proving hard to extinguish. The building was still under construction. So far, though, no injuries have been reported. And former President Barack Obama will speak to House Democrats tomorrow. This according to NBC News. It's a rare event for Obama, who's done relatively few public appearances since leaving office. Obama's remarks come as Democrats deal with a wave of congressional retirement and falling approval ratings for President Biden. You're now up to date. Scott, I'll send it back to you. Appreciate it, Rahel. Thank you, Rahel Solomon. All right, Meta is rebounding today. It is still down more than 30 percent this year, really, in the last week or so. However, that breeds opportunity for someone we know. Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary, he recently added to his position in the stock, and he's with us today. Kevin, it's good to see you. Great to be here. Thank you, Scott. You know, uh, I last understand time we talked... You, you bought more... I'm sorry. I was going to suggest that I, I heard you bought more Meta today. That's why we wanted to have you on, but please continue. Forgive me. Yes, I did buy more, and I'll tell you why I did buy more. Last time we were talking about this... I was talking about the fact that Meta is actually owned by sovereign and institutions, not retail investors. Many retail investors own the stock, but the majority of this is held institutionally. This is a classic fang. It is very rare to take a, a company this size of this market cap down 30% in a drawdown during a series of trading sessions. That doesn't happen very often. So here's the investment thesis. I was trying to figure out, and I, I want to be totally transparent about this and understand that there's always risks, but I recently became an Emirati citizen. I'm a citizen of Canada, Ireland, and now an Emirati. UAE, they, I want to do business with them. I want to work with them on indexing. I want to work with them on infrastructure buys all around the world, and I want to invest beside them. And that's why I was very fortunate. But I also want to hear what those managers think about these massive positions. And I was working with them this morning. There's such a time difference that we're on very early in the morning. The question is this, when does Facebook, now Meta, get re-indexed? In other words, it started at five to 6% of these big mandates. It was one of the core holdings. It was being drawn down by the hundreds of millions of volume. You've seen it happen over the last few trading sessions. Have they stopped? This is my bet. This is the bottom. They've stopped. They're down at two, two and a half percent. I'm not just talking the Emirates. I'm talking about all of the managers that work in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. These guys control mm -hmm. a ton of money. And so 
People are calling for $200 price. Ain't going to happen. This is my investment thesis. You have to believe in Zuckerberg to turn okay. reels against the, the other applications. But this is the bottom. This is where you want to accumulate. My call. Okay. Uh, I wonder what you had to show to become a citizen. of. Uh, was it just the size of your bank account? Because we both know that's large. And maybe that was enough. <laughs> and if so, you know, I, props they to don't, you. I don't. It's, it's hard to get this. I'm very proud of it. I worked for years yeah. for it. Uh, I love to work with them. Yeah. They, are, they are very advanced in their thinking and investing. Very advanced. Okay. So let me ask you this. So you, you say this is the bottom. And let me come back at you and say, well, maybe we saw the top in terms of the business itself. And maybe Facebook's just not going to grow the way it was before. And Meta's a pipe dream, the metaverse, and that's not going to happen for 10 years. When are they going to make money on that? They changed their name to get away from a distraction. They have problems with the iOS change. Doesn't any of that factor into anything? Okay, let me address those one at a time, okay? Because I'm, I'm on the long side. I listen to Josh Brown bash them every day. I know this moral stuff and everything else. Let me take the other side of that coin, all right? Let's walk through those concerns. They're good concerns. Number one. Do you think a metaverse will emerge primarily driven out of gaming? Yes. Will there be a need for a curated metaverse so that the big brands can put up their virtual sites and advertise there without being beside a porn shop? Yes. What's the largest platform on earth that could provide a curated metaverse? It's Facebook. Okay, right there. That's the assumption. Number two, the yield drop. The, uh, the, the, the Apple change in their operating system caused the ad yields to drop. There is no question about it. I've lived through it myself. But there's all kinds of companies emerging. One of them is called C-squared Social, small advanced using AI to combine credit card data with Facebook data to get your yields back up. And Facebook itself is fixing that problem. If you don't think they have a bunch of engineers working on enhancing yield on advertising, you'd be wrong. Okay. Number three, they're not bad people. They're not immoral people. That's crazy. These people support small business in America, and we are using them. Nothing's changed. They're still over 50% of our advertising dollar. Where else can you get billions of users and have pretty well every state using it for geolocked advertising? And Reels is coming to fight off the attack from TikTok. So, and I also think the regulatory environment has changed overnight. Because all of a sudden, Facebook doesn't look as strong as it did just six weeks ago at beating everybody up. TikTok was eating its lunch. They're going to try and fix. They're going to try and compete and push back the government in terms of regulation. Now is the time to own this stock. It's a call. I could be wrong. However, I think the big guys, as we started this conversation, have finished flushing the toilet. They've re-indexed it. And now you can find, you don't have to put it all to work right here, start to nibble. And I'll say it one more time. This evil stuff, evil people stuff, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They help all my small businesses. Kev, I appreciate you uh, coming on. I hope to see you soon. And uh, given your new citizenship, dinner is most definitely on you the next time I see dinner you. Dinner for both. That's Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Go- Wonderful. Scotty, I'll take you for dinner in Dubai. You can't believe the restaurants. Okay. All right. Kev, thank you. That's Kevin O'Leary. Up next, John has unusual activity. Plus, all of February, CNBC is celebrating black history. Here is CNBC contributor, one of our own, Courtney Gibson, sharing how she believes we can make the American dream a reality for all. The most important thing you can do to change the financial future for the black community is to own it. We can all own a piece of making the American dream a reality for all. Set a goal, measure it, monitor it. 
We have KPIs for everything that we do in business, from measuring revenue to profitability to operating margins. Why not set a goal for black economic inclusion? What gets measured and incented gets done. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, let's do it, Dr. J. John Nigerian, unusual activity. What do you have for me? Well, let's do it, Scott. Got a little internet issue here, so I'm doing it on the phone. Dash, D-A-S-H. This is DoorDash, of course. February 120 calls. These are calls that expire not this Friday, but next Friday. They're buying those with the stock at 109 this morning. So pretty good upside, $11 upside bet that they're putting up some great numbers. FCX is the second one, Todd, Freeport. FCX is a $43 stock. They bought 6,000 of the June 47s, so call it almost 10% out of the money, um, like that one as well. And just to echo a little bit of Kevin, um, I bought Facebook. I bought the 220 calls. Uh, today I note that mm. 33,000 of the this week uh, 230 calls, $10 higher than the strike I was buying, uh, those were purchased in big blocks, Scott. And so somebody's betting that Facebook does see a rebound, but note that they're only betting on that for this week. They're not looking long-term, just a quick rebound, and then maybe it stabilizes. At least that's what the bet looks like from our end, Scott. They're well on their way to being in the money on that. I mean, you know, look at the stock right now. It's at the highs of the day. Hey, Doc, I appreciate it. We'll see if we can get you back on camera. Otherwise, I'll talk to you again on the phone before the end of the show. Up next, NFL Man of the Year nominee Kelvin Beecham. He is back with us. We're going to talk football, his philanthropy, some trades, too. He actually made some new trades. We should make him an honorary member of the investment committee. Talk to Mr. Beecham next. Tomorrow evening, the NFL announces its Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner. It is an annual honor given to a player who embodies what it means to be a community champion. Our next guest is certainly worthy of such an achievement, given the amazing charity work he does throughout Arizona. Kelvin Beecham, an offensive lineman for the Arizona Cardinals, and he joins us now. Beach, it's good to see you again. Welcome back. Yes, sir. So glad to be back. I can't think of uh, anybody more deserving than you. Uh, we're pulling for you. Uh, congratulations. What would you do with the $250,000 for a charity that you get? Who would that go towards? 
it would actually go back to the Beecham Charitable Fund and go right back into the community, um, being able to serve uh, the community uh, around STEM-related issues, hunger-related issues. And there's actually a project that I have in mind um, in Africa uh, where I've talked about clean water access for a number of years that I may actually be able to, to put some funds towards. So excited about the opportunity to, to be a winner um, and excited about the opportunity to, to continue to serve. Well, everybody's worthy, all the nominees, of course, but we'll have a we'll be pulling for you, especially. I'm, I'm sure you know that um, we've seen the commercials. I've seen you, you know, in the Lowe's, the Lowe's ads. You're a home team member. Uh, you're doing a renovation project for Highland Elementary School in Mesa, Arizona. You're with the United Food Bank. Uh, you're also donating laptops and tablets to an Arizona school to help address technology. You've got a lot going on in that community, Kelvin. It's quite a bit, uh, but I know that this community um, it's one thing to talk about um, being a change, but it's another thing to actually do it. So excited to continue serving, uh, exciting, uh, excited to continue being able to, to give um, and serve in this capacity, especially around the digital divide here in Arizona, um, and excited to be able to, to, to talk about it now. Um, it's one, like I said, it's one thing to, to hear about it, but it's another thing to actually do it. Yeah, for certain. Um, you guys had a great year, obviously, in, in Arizona, a little short of the, the Super Bowl, clearly. Who are you rooting for on, on Sunday? Um, I don't know if you like the Rams or hate the Rams. They're in your division. So I don't know, you know what the story with that is. But what do you think about the big game coming up? Uh, I am concerned with whoever's winning that's not in my division. And I put it like that. So... Uh, <laughs> The team that wins, that's not in the, the NFC West, that's the team that I would desire to, to win this game. But, you know, we all know what, what type of outcomes could happen uh, if the game gets out of hand and it turns into a pass fest. So um, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, since he can control the game, but uh, it would be ideal for all Cardinals fans uh, if the team from uh, California did not win this game. Well, you're, you're one of the few to stare down Aaron Donald and live to tell about it. So we'll, we'll see what kind of storyline that he becomes uh, in the game for the offensive line of the Bengals. And I know you have such an affinity for offensive linemen. Let me ask you this, because I know how interested in the markets you are. And frankly, given everything you, you have going on, I was surprised to read uh, that you've been active, that you recently bought Lowe's, Salesforce and Dexcom. Do you want to tell us why? Yes, sir. Um, when you think about everything that's going on in healthcare, uh, you think about everything that's going on in continuous glucose monitoring. Dexcom uh, is one of the, the companies and, and one of the, you know, I think one of the leaders that you have to look to. When you think about everything that's going on in renovations, people are starting uh, to rebuild their houses. Um, and I'm also uh, a Lowe's home team member. Uh, Lowe's was one that I had to get to make sure that I support them just like they um, and then, you know, it, it's been cool to just see uh, everything that's going on uh, within the markets. I know we had, a, a, a you know, it's kind of rough the past couple of weeks, but it's great to see things come back. I love the fact that you say you bought your three-year-old son three stocks for his birthday, waste management, deer and caterpillar. Uh, he likes tractors and trucks like like every uh, little kid obviously does. And you sold Roblox and Unity Software. I got to be really quick. Tell me why you decided to sell Roblox. Then I got to bounce. I'm, I'm not hot on everything that's going on in the metaverse right now. And both of those companies are, are, mm. are huge players in the metaverse right now. So I just wanted to pull back a little bit. Understand. All right. We'll be watching for you. We hope you win and uh, hope to see you out in L.A. as well. That's Kelvin Beecham. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Talk soon. All right. And a reminder, you can watch the big game Sunday, NBC. 
where the Cincinnati Bengals try to win their first Super Bowl ever when they take on the Los Angeles Rams, as we said, on their home turf. Coverage starts at noon. And a reminder, of course, on Friday, the halftime report is going to be live at SoFi Stadium. Al Michaels, he's calling the game. He's going to be with us. And, of course, the exclusive interview, Jeffrey Gunlock, the CEO of Double Line Capital, is going to join us as well. Please don't miss that. We'll be right back. A ban on congressional stock trading could be moving closer to a reality. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have been pushing that idea. Now leadership appears to be on board as well. Our Elon Moy down in D.C. with more on that. Elon, what do we know? Well, Scott, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said today this is now a confidence issue in Washington, and she's working to find consensus on the path forward. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he believes in a trading ban as well, and some Republicans also are open to this idea, too. Now, currently, lawmakers are only prohibited from insider trading, but they can still buy and sell individual stocks as long as they disclose it. Many of the most popular stocks in Washington are in the tech sector. According to Capital Trades, the biggest Name stocks with the highest trading volume are Microsoft, which by far saw the highest trading activity. Also, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, NVIDIA also made the list. Now, the caveat here is that these trades include those not just by lawmakers, but also by their dependents and their spouses. In fact, that's one reason that Microsoft saw such big activity because the husband of Representative Susan Delbany retired from the company and ended up selling his shares. The other important thing to note is that there are 500. 35 members of Congress, and only about a dozen or maybe two dozen at most were behind the trades in each of those individual names. But Scott, clearly the call to end even the appearance of a conflict of interest is growing, and some lawmakers believe ending trading isn't enough, that lawmakers shouldn't own stocks at all. Back over to you. Ilan, thank you. Appreciate that very much. Final trades are coming up next. A reminder, don't miss Friday, our exclusive with Jeffrey Gundlach, the CEO of Double Line Capital. Lots to talk about. So much Fed speak this week alone, interest rates, the markets. Get his view on all of that plus more. Looking very much forward to that. Some other guests joining us, too, that you won't want to miss. Let's do final trades now. Joe Terranova, why don't you go first? So AMD has been a fun stock to trade the last year, and, and candidly, uh, it's something that I've been comfortable with and done well at. I bought back in on January 31st. A little bit below 110. Yesterday, Scott, I added to that position. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to utilize a stop at 116.75. So a winning trade can't turn into a losing one. But buying a little bit more here, buy high, sell higher. I think the stock has further upside. Uh, uh, very interesting move, Joe. I appreciate that. Carrie, what do you have for us today? CME Group. They reported a very strong quarter of volatility. Helps them higher interest rates is also a benefit. The last time the Fed tightened because 30% of their business is interest rate futures. That business grew 50%. Strong cash flow, 4% dividend yield. And they also have futures on Bitcoin and Ether. Mr. Weiss? More speculation on Porsche Volkswagen today. Again, if they spin out Porsche, which I still think they'll do, it add 50 to 100 uh, billion to the market cap. Scott, I haven't seen the calendar invite for a Friday show for me to be on. I got to get my ticket to the West Coast. So please send it. <laughs> uh, keep checking that mailbox. Steve. Nice. 
It's all good. Quickly, Dr. J, a name. Uh, USFD, U.S. Foods, uh, April 40 calls, bought them during the show, Scott. Good stuff. Guys, thank you so much. I'll see you from L.A. on Friday. The exchange begins right now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.